worthy, you're worthy, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. There's a beautiful presence of the Lord here. Amen. And that's why we come. We want to be in His presence. Amen. I think I've said this before. I don't know. I'll say it again. The older I get, I appreciate being in the presence of Jesus. Amen. There is nothing like being in a relationship with God Almighty. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Grateful to see everyone that is here today. Amen. It's good to see each and every one of you. And uh, I want to take this moment to say Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers, amen. And uh, hopefully some of you got breakfast in bed this morning, although I appreciate it's Sunday. So when you're a church family, Sunday mornings are generally pretty hectic. Uh, so maybe the lunch afterwards would suffice, amen. We're doing a lunch after this. So that would be, that will be good. I'm looking forward to that. Also, happy birthday, Pastor. <laughs> Pastor's wife will get a talking to after church. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, would you grab them? I want to do a reading this morning from Mark chapter 14. I felt this is what. God laid on my heart, and I guess in some ways it's probably a little bit of a continuation from life class this morning. Um, and uh, while you're turning there, I want to encourage you to pay attention to the, uh, the announcement slides that are up at the beginning of church service. There is a lot that is going on in the church right now. Um, to run you through a few of them while you turn to Mark 14 in your Bible. Um, we've got Turning Point coming up. We've got National Ladies Conference coming up. We've got one down in Sydney, one up on Yam Island, and you can kind of pick which, whichever one you would like to go to. I don't mind either way. Um, we've got a Ladies Combined Service coming up in like a couple of weeks, the 20th of May. Um, we've got Sister Gina Gretsch coming to preach for us on that Sunday. Um, we have a new life class series starting in a couple of weeks focused on the book of Revelation and the end times. So that's going to be good as well. Um, we've got, I'm, I'm traveling away for ministers and leaders fairly soon. We've got national conference coming up. National conference is in January down in Canberra this year. And um, brother David Bernard, Bishop David Bernard is coming from the states, our, the United Pentecostal Church International General Superintendent, amen, and what a tremendous honor it is for us to have him come to our country, amen, and so he's going to be preaching in Canberra, 
So I want to encourage you. We're going to look at getting a bus or something. I don't know. We're going to investigate. I want to get everybody in my church all together and go everyone down to Canberra um, because that's going to be worth going to. Amen. So there is a lot happening. So please, all of that to say, when the announcement slides are running through after church, um, please make sure you pay attention. We've got a youth bowling night coming up as well um, on Friday the 27th, I think it is. There's just a lot going on in the church, so please pay attention to those slides. Amen. Mark chapter 14, and I'm going to read just from verse 1, and we're going to read down to verse 11. Say amen if you're with me. Mark chapter 14, verse 1, it says, After two days... It was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of a very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me, for you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good, but me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial for her. Reading on, it says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. When they heard it, they were glad, and they promised to give him money. So they sought how he might conveniently betray him. Praise you, Lord. I want to preach for just a little while this morning. I don't want to preach for too long, but I want to preach on this thought. I gave all I had. I gave all I had. Put that up there. As you read through the Gospel of Mark, the Gospels of Mark is one that is very fast-paced. It moves at a breakneck speed. As it goes through story after story after story, of the details of the life of Jesus. As a matter of fact, if there was a key word for the Gospel of Mark, I think that key word would be immediately. It's all throughout the Gospel of Mark. Immediately, Jesus reached out and touched him. Immediately, Jesus got up and left. Immediately, Jesus got his disciples to get into the boat. It's just the Gospel of Mark is go, 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 go. The Gospel of Mark seems to portray Jesus as a man of action. And in Mark chapter 14, as we get towards the end of the ministry of Jesus Christ on earth, we come to a story of when Jesus was enjoying a meal at the house of Simon the leper. 
It was the feast of unleavened bread, the Bible tells us. It was a time when the children of Israel would remember the Passover. When God had come and freed His children from slavery in Egypt. Where God, with a mighty hand, had unleashed the plagues on the Egyptians. And with signs and with wonders had marched the children of Israel out into the wilderness into freedom and towards the promised land, out of slavery and into a relationship with God. And that is the time that we find ourselves in the chapter of Mark that we have read here. And in this passage that we have read, we have the chief priests. We have Simon the leper. And we have the disciples sitting there. And it boggles my mind that none of them seem to realize that they are sitting in the presence of one who would soon save them from slavery of another kind, that of the bondage of sin. They were sitting in the presence of Messiah. They were sitting in the presence of Jesus Christ. And as they sit there and they are eating the meal together, the door opens and a woman comes in to the room. And in an act and a display of extravagant worship, she breaks open an alabaster flask, a bottle that you were not able to just reseal once it was broken. It was broken. That was it. But she broke it open in the presence of the one who would soon save her from her sin. And the Bible tells us that she anointed the head of Jesus with the oil that was with him. And I find it very interesting in the text that wedged in between the scribes and the Pharisees who want to eliminate him and a thief who wants nothing more than to betray him and surrounded by those who are nitpicking over such a waste, there is found space in the text for somebody to worship Jesus because of who he is and because of what he is going to do. Brothers and sisters, this world is full of those who would eliminate Jesus on one hand and who would betray him on the other hand. They don't want his influence in our schools. They don't want his impact on our society. They will not countenance his presence in their homes, nor do they accept his reign over their life. But I am so glad, bless the Lord, that there stands today a church of the living God filled with those who have been called by his name and washed in his blood. And despite others, what others would say, and despite criticism, and despite pressure, there is still those who will find time and space to worship our Savior and to find the means to worship our Lord. And there are people who would be critical of our worship, but the church of the living God has an attitude that says, I'm going to worship my Jesus anyway. I'm going to exalt him no matter what you say because of who he is I love him and I worship him so say what you want world I'm going to give what I have and I'm going to worship Jesus praise your Lord and when we read in the gospel the Bible doesn't seem exactly very clear as to why this woman was motivated to enter into the room and to anoint Jesus. 
with the oil. Perhaps she was grateful for some miracle that Jesus had done for her. In the passages that we read, the Bible does not identify her by name, but when you read in the other Gospels, it seems to indicate that it was Mary. And and perhaps she was grateful because Lazarus had been raised from the dead. Or maybe it was the fact that she recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. Mark doesn't really give us too many clues in his passage again. He is just going so fast as he goes through the story of Jesus' life. But I can tell you today that the very act of anointing on the head with oil was one that was filled with symbolism that would not have been lost on those that are granted, surrounded by those who knew the law, who knew the history of Israel, when that woman began to pour the oil on the head of Jesus, they knew what it symbolized because in the Old Testament, brothers and sisters, it was the kings of Israel who would be anointed with oil on their head as a sign that they were the king, that the Spirit of the Lord was with them, and they were God's chosen to lead the nation in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13 the Bible says that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the middle of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward in Psalm 89 verse 20 the Bible says that I have found my servant David and with my holy oil I have anointed So it was very symbolic as that oil began to flow down the head of Jesus. And there was another symbol that was being revealed as this act was happening because not only was the king of Israel anointed as the king, but the high priest of the nation was also anointed with oil as a sign of being set apart for the service of God and being set apart to serve the nation as a representative to God. The high priest was the one who anointed with oil would walk into the Holy of Holies with the blood of a lamb to make atonement for the children of Israel. Leviticus 8.12 says he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head to anoint him and to consecrate him. And as that oil began to flow over the head of Jesus, I don't know if the woman recognized the significance of what she was doing, but symbolically in her act of worship, she was saying, this is my king and this is my high priest. This is the one who rules over my life and this is the one who represents me to God. Brothers and sisters, this is what our worship does and this is why we worship. When we worship God, we are placing ourselves into submission to His lordship we are in effect saying Jesus you are the king of my life Lord you are the master of my destiny Jesus my life is tied up in your purpose and your plan and when we worship God we are declaring that he alone is God and that he alone is Lord and that he alone is worthy hallelujah but that's not all because we also worship Him because He is our high priest. He represents us to God. Hallelujah. 
First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. In his flesh as a man, Jesus Christ represents us to God. Hallelujah. Hebrews puts it like this in Hebrews chapter 7. He says, But he, talking about Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hallelujah. Oh, my friends, because of the resurrection, because Jesus wasn't stuck in a grave, he's our high priest. Hallelujah. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the Bible tells us, and he is our high priest. And He represents us to God. That is why, my friends, we worship Him. Because He paid the price for us. Hallelujah. When we could not help ourselves, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9 that Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered a most holy place. The most holy place, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Oh, my friends. Oh, my friends, when I begin to get a glimpse of Calvary in my mind and I understand the price that Jesus had to pay for me to be able to be in a relationship with Him, it was not the blood of a bull or a goat. It wasn't anything that I could provide. But my high priest took of his own blood and went into the most holy place to make atonement for my life and to make payment for the debt that I owed. Hallelujah. Oh, my friends, that is why we worship Him, because He paid such a great price. That's why I give my life for Him, because I could never, ever, ever pay Him back. Hallelujah. And that is why, my friends, He is worthy of extravagant worship. Extravagant worship. It's interesting, you know, when you read the text, you read a little about the history. The time, one of the reasons that the disciples seemed to be indignant with her. Criticized her sharply, the Bible says. Was because the cost of her worship was extravagant. The Bible records that it was worth more. It doesn't say exactly 300. It says it was worth more than 300 denarii. The equivalent of one year's wage. Put that in perspective, that's going to be like $30,000, $50,000 in one moment as an act of worship. The whole of it, every part of it, was poured out on Jesus. And the disciples, perhaps with Judas as the lead voice, were complaining that perhaps she could consider the poor. Perhaps there was a better use for what she had bought to the Lord than just wasting it on Jesus. And they criticized her. 
And the funny thing is, is when you actually read the time period and you study the history, you understand the culture. It was a custom to give gifts to the poor at Passover time. It was the appropriate thing to do. It was the logical thing to do. It even seemed that perhaps the disciples might have had a good point. Just imagine Jesus. How many followers would want to follow you if you gave so many people some money? What a waste, Jesus. What a waste. What a waste. Come on, woman. You shouldn't have done that. Oh, my friends, there are many things that we can do with our life. There are many things we can do with our church. And there are always going to be those around you who suggest that perhaps there is something better to do with your life and to live a life of worship. And sometimes the things they say are going to make sense. And sometimes the things they want you to do are the right culture and the right custom. Hallelujah. But when you find yourself in the presence of Jesus, let me tell you, church, there is nothing better to do than to give Him extravagant worship, to pour out everything you have in love and adoration to Him, to lay it all down and say, Jesus, I give you everything. I give it all to you. Nothing in this life is better than you. Hallelujah. Oh, my friends, others might not understand you and others might think there's a better thing for you to do with your time. Perhaps you could invest your time somewhere better than in worship to God. Perhaps you could find something that would bring more satisfaction than wasting all your time on Jesus. But oh, my friends, as I hold up everything that this world holds dear, its value systems, its money, its sports, its education, whatever it is and I compare it on the other hand to what Jesus did for me I realize that he is worthy of every sacrifice that I could ever bring he is worthy of every word of worship I could come up with I can pour out my life as a living sacrifice an act of devotion and love to him and it still would not be enough to ever come close to what he's worthy of Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And as we all stand this morning, in Mark chapter 14, where we read the Bible says that she, in verse 8, has done what she could. She came beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done, will also be told as a memorial for her. In the Greek, the phrase that we see in English, she has done what she could. In the Greek, if you were to translate it, it would say, she did what she had. Or in other words, she gave all that she had. And that was what was going to be remembered about her. That is what people were going to remember. This woman gave everything that she had in worship to Jesus. Oh, my friends, I don't know about you. There are many, many, many things in this life that we could be remembered for when our time on this earth is done. We could be remembered for being a good person. We could be remembered for being a good Christian. 
We could remember, be remembered for being a good parent or a good son or a good daughter and all of that is nice and there's nothing wrong with that. But what I want to be remembered for, I gave all I had. That's what I want to be remembered for. That's what I want to be remembered for. When I breathe my last and my time on earth is done, I want to enter eternity knowing that I have worshipped with all my life. I want to know that Deuteronomy 6.5 was alive in my heart. I want to know that I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my soul, and with all my might. Hallelujah. Because brothers and sisters, the older I get, the more I realize that nothing in this world really matters than living a life of worship to Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, the one who loved me and gave himself for me. When I reach the end of my life, when my legacy is reviewed in heaven, I want to be able to lift up my hands in worship just another time. Join with Jude and begin to worship God and say now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present me faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, my Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Ever, as long as I am in heaven, I want to worship God. As long as I am on earth, I want to worship God. Praise you, Jesus. I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. I want to be a worshiper, church. I want to be a worshiper, church. I don't want to be someone who just lives with the ups and the downs of this life. I don't want to just be held captive by my emotions and my feelings, but I want my life to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I want to worship Him with everything that I have, every fiber of my being, every area of my heart, every part of my mind. I want to live a life of worship. Do you want to live a life of worship today? Do you want to live a life where God is number one and nothing else is even on the list? It starts with a heart of surrender. It starts with saying, God, I want to worship you. I want to draw closer to you. I want to know you more. I want to see more of you in my heart and in my life. As Sister Janie begins to play, why don't we lift our hands? And let's just begin to worship the Lord right now. Come on, church. Why don't you just tell him what he means to you today? Why don't you just tell him how you feel about him?